This is Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection, the podcast that talks direct with retailers about all things loss prevention, with your host, Nicole Smith. Did you know that the Profit Protection Future Forum is the only not-for-profit industry body promoting the interests of retail loss prevention professionals in Australia and New Zealand? Hi there and welcome to the show. On today's episode, I'm joined by Tim Edwards, Group Profit Protection Director at JD Sports Fashion, Mark Boyd, Head of Profit Protection, APAC at JD Sports Fashion, and a member of our PPFF Steering Committee, and Sean Welsh, CEO at Aegon Systems. Welcome, guys, and thanks for joining me today. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks, Nicole. So I've been in stores when an offender's been caught red-handed with a detacher, removing tags from garments. And magnets that used to cost a couple of hundred dollars are now less than $20 to buy on the internet. So we see thieves becoming smarter, but not necessarily having to work harder to get merchandise out of the door. And given that this is a global problem, we thought it'd be a good time to talk about the concept tag and how it works for JD Sports. So Sean, I'll start with you. Can you tell me a bit about how the concept tag came about? Uh, yeah, it was on a, a business trip out to China um, to one of the uh, largest manufacturers of security tags in the world um, that I was really giving him a hard time about the fact that there'd been no development uh, in security tags for probably 10 or more years and that the losses uh, that retailers were experiencing due to tags being defeated was just increasing all the time. Uh, and it was, it was over this dinner uh, that the owner of the factory actually uh, told me that he was working with an inventor uh, on a new security tag uh, and that he felt that uh, Aegon and myself would be a good match for this inventor to be able to help him to bring the product to market. Um, and so that's, that's how we discovered it. And it was at that point from there uh, that I came back from, from China, started the conversations with the, uh, with the inventors uh, and we moved it from there. So... Tim, can you tell me how you got involved in it? Yeah, um, so, well, Agon, Agon had been a supplier for JD for, for quite a number of years and supplied our um, EAS uh, technology and uh, our, also our tags. And I think I, I'd continually also talk to, talk to Sean about the fact that we, that we needed something different, that we were suffering increasing amounts of tags being found in stores, being removed in stores, and we really needed something different. And um, and I I met up with Sean probably a week after, a week after his visit to China, and he came to me with this exciting news that there was something new on the horizon that maybe, maybe just be 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 different and and overcome the problems we're experiencing. And and I suppose it was at that point that it took off. We knew we needed something for you know AS. There's no doubt as has delivered benefits for you know for the last thirty years, but the tide was turning, and that um, with the availability of magnets and, and hooks online so readily available, and as you say, so so cheaply, that we needed to do something different because it was you know it was AES was being defeated by the by the criminals. Was there a catalyst? Was there a situation or a, an event that sparked? Um you to sort of go, oh, this is, you know, magnets aren't working anymore. Let's let's go to something else. Uh, it, well, it wasn't one. It wasn't really one event. No, it, it was just a continual 
continual shout from the stores and the, the store managers that of the tags being tags being found in, in the stores. It's just the amount of tags were being found, and it was it, and it was becoming so easy to defeat. It was up to me as uh, to try and to try and source something that could uh, assist them. Sean. Uh, yeah, I think I, I, I vaguely remember a number that Tim mentioned to me uh, when we discussed this, which was uh, that you're, you were seeing a, like a 30% increase year on year in, in the numbers of uh, tags being defeated by people carrying magnets. And, and so this is a number of years ago now. And, I, and so I think from that perspective, we all knew that something had to be done. Otherwise, EAS was just going to become less and less valuable within the retail environment and already you could see that because retailers were pushing the prices of, of normal tags lower and lower because they didn't see the value in it anymore um, so something had to be done from both sides actually eas companies like ours needed a different product that could help improve profits improve profit margins and retailers needed a better product to help improve their profit margins and stop all of their products being stolen uh, so it was a perfect storm, really, for both both sides to have to or want to find a different solution. Um, so, Mark, are you seeing similar type problems here in Australia with magnets being bought into stores? Uh, no, not really. I think in a previous business we had with glue, yes, um, we saw a huge amount of um, tags defeated, defeated there, um, mostly with magnets or the little hook that you can buy from there. We used to get loads of those, you know, confiscated. Um, but no, since we moved, obviously since JD came and, you know, we had access to, to the type of resources that they can give us and the, obviously the tag. Um, when we opened our, our um, first store in Melbourne Central, I think probably three years ago, now only four years ago, um, we saw some of the some tags attacked, mostly with where, but obviously none defeated. Um, which was really good, and we, you know we we stuck, we sold the tag to the stores uh, as being undefeatable, and it pretty much was always. Um, we had a few people try to burn them off, mostly in the fitting room. To be honest, was where we, where we found a few of those. Um, but even then, they couldn't burn them off. They they was just you know we could smell the smoke and knock on the door, and you know people would come out looking very sheepish. Um, we found blood soaked um, clothing where people had cut themselves trying to snip the tag off and uh, as well and we still found the tag attached to the garment with little cuts around it and so those were very very early days where people people tried um but again that petered off the longer the store stayed open and they just went somewhere else um and we never really saw um we never really saw sort of you know we haven't never found at all in terms of magnets where you would you know before we would find hooks magnets god knows what dumped in the stores but we haven't we haven't found that at all okay so sean tell me how long did the concept tag take to develop i should say that the inventors already been working on it for some years when i when i uh, came across them and met them um at that point they they thought that their tag was pretty good and it was ready um i wasn't so sure uh, and, and obviously the greatest testing ground for that was in a JD sports store. And not only that, but in a JD sports store in, in East London, um, <laughs> in Stratford. So uh, that was, it was a, a fantastic test bed and, and actually did prove that the tag was not ready at that point for market. 
Um, and so we went through, um, I think it was two stages, really. We put the first batch of tags in and, and realized almost immediately that there were certain weaknesses that hadn't been addressed. Um, so we went back to the, uh, the inventors with that, um, with that information. They made some changes. Um, and then we put another batch of tags into that store uh, to move it forward again. Uh, again, just very small little changes were required in within the tag to make it even more secure. And we knew at that point that was, once we made those changes, it was ready. Uh, and I guess that was about an 18 month period uh, of testing in store to ensure that we'd got it to, to the best of the best it could possibly be at that stage. Um, and that tied in nicely with um, JD opening their new flagship store in London's Oxford Street. Uh, and so that was the first store that really got it for JD. I think there was 65,000 tags across a, a three-floor store, uh, which was about a 35,000-square-foot store. Um, and so that proved tremendously successful. Uh, and it was from there that the, the tag started to roll out then across the estate, being tested in more of the large regional flagships uh, before it eventually then just rolled out across the board within JD. So, Tim, does it make you nervous when uh, you've got a new product like that and, and you're testing it in one of your high-risk stores? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't think uh, I don't don't need to think that uh, that Aegon Aegon gave me the tag and and we said yes, that's fine. We're going to put it in. We'd run some tests ourselves with it initially um, with some on some products in order to assess how, you know how 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 difficult it was to defeat and and of course we were anxious about the removal technology because the removal technology it's, it's power power sourced by a powered device so we wanted to be happy that our you know our, our, our store teams could work with that power device and we moved the tags effectively without without interfering with the with the customer experience so those were those are all big considerations that we that we uh, that we had but um yeah, no. It, so we, it, we didn't sort of rush at it. We, we did some initial tests ourselves, and then we and then we put it in. And and you know, as 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 Sean has said, that you know, it did have some teasing problems. The tank wasn't quite ready. And but but because of the potential, the exciting potential of of getting something like this to to work, and the fact that the manufacturers were very happy and accommodating to make the changes we wanted we wanted to see made that that meant we pursued, we, we continued and pursued with, pursued with the trial um and uh, and yeah and therefore when the the big flagship store was ready to open at that time we were very comfortable that this was perfect to uh, to to go into there so Sean what's been some of the biggest challenges in um with the concept tag yeah i mean it's people think it it's it looks like any other tag and it looks like it's a simple thing to make um it really isn't and and probably uh, actually is why it's not really been moved on in very much at all technology wise in the last 20 years um and i have to say that uh, a conversation between myself and the inventors has has regularly said I, I, I wish we'd never started this <laughs> because it was so, it, you know, it really is challenging. And, and you're talking about making adjustments within the internal workings of, of points of millimeters, which 
it is really small amounts to deal with. And, and it's also then trying to get the factory that you're working with in China to get their head around the fact that this is a totally unique product um, that requires uh, a lot more, uh, a lot more sort of smaller adjustments than perhaps a typical tag would, would normally need. So concept tag has not been easy to get to the level it's got to. In fact, though, we've never rested on our laurels. And since its launch, uh, we've now just again uh, launched a, a concept tag next generation. Uh, and we've now introduced some even greater security features to help it improve on the results it's already had. And those tags, funnily enough, are actually uh, winging their way to Australia as we speak. They're on a boat. I heard. Yeah, um, I heard. Yeah, they're, on, <laughs> they're on a boat to Australia as we speak. But uh, as everyone knows, the results that people have seen have been fantastic. And, and going back to, to that trial at Oxford Street, um, in the first eight weeks of trading there uh, with 65,000 tags, uh, there wasn't a single tag found defeated. Um, and I, I know that Tim saw um, a reduction in loss uh, of over 50% in that store, which is how it then moved forward from there. Um, and across the regional stores that they put it into, they saw a variation of, of uh, reduction, but all between some really significant numbers of like 50 to 75%, I think one was in the Trafford Centre. Um, obviously, these are numbers that, as you know, uh, Nicole, you're experiencing these kind of numbers in Australia with the trials that you've also put in. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, although the tag's delivering great uh, numbers, we want, that to, we want that to be sustained and we actually want, even want to try and improve on that, which is why we now have have added these extra features within the tag. And indeed, we're, we've introduced two new versions as well, because as you know, the, the standard tag is 50 millimeters, uh, and we now have a 45 and a 40 millimeter version, so that it can cover things like lingerie and children's wear. Um, and we're hoping that uh, we should have to market at some point by the end of the year, or perhaps early next year, uh, a bottle tag version of this lock uh, for supermarkets. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. So again, the, you know, the supermarket industry has, has moaned for a very long time that bottle tags simply don't deliver on the return on investment that they're looking for because they're all magnetically released. So this could be a, a, an opportunity for supermarkets to also adapt and move across to the concept lock. Mm, that's fantastic. Uh, I was in a, a retailer probably around Christmas time or just after Christmas, maybe January this year, where someone had been caught stealing and when they had everything lined up on the ground, there was the magnet sitting there and we were just like it's quite a regular occurrence for that happens in apparel retail in particular, obviously, where this is happening. So I think uh, something like the concept tag has been needed for a long time. There's been lots of changes as far as EAS goes with the technology itself, but not many changes with regards to the hard tags. It might be a different shape or something like that, but it's still a magnetic release. So I definitely think it's something that's been needed in the market for, you know, probably a long, longer time than what it has been. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree totally. Um, I mean, one of the things that's made the concept tag so successful is that it works across all technologies. So it works in RF, it works in AM, it can be RFID. Um, and so that, that also has made it uh, quite a, a inexpensive 
update within a store. They haven't got to change all the expensive barriers that are at the doorways, which are obviously very expensive. So they can just change out all of the tags and the releases and see a 50% plus reduction in their losses um, for a, a relatively small investment. So the return on investment is usually pretty quick. It's usually around 12 to 18 months. And actually, in some retailers with those numbers, uh, we've actually known it to be, you know, 10 to 12 weeks um, because the losses were so high. And I think you've experienced things like that as well. But it's, it's not to say that the, the concept tag is, uh, you know, is, is totally undefeatable. You, yes, you still get tags that are defeated. You're always going to have that situation. There is, you know, it isn't, there's not a perfect product, uh, as one, someone once said. It's not, it's not Fort Knox. We can't make a, a security tag good enough to be totally undefeatable because it'd simply be too expensive. So there's a payoff. But at the end of the day, 50 plus percent reductions in retailer loss is enormous. So, Mark, for you, obviously people, and and Tim, for you as well, obviously people still uh, will take a garment and leave the store. Do you find that they're not coming back? Because once they get the garment home, it's too hard to get the tag off. And therefore, that's, those um, recidivist thieves are sort of moving elsewhere because it's, it's just too hard. Yeah, I, th- I think so, yes. I think, you know, we don't see here the, the repeat offenders uh, or the, or the organised, uh, you know, gangs that often at all. Um, and I think we've also found... Uh, the fact that what they'll do is they won't even bother trying to take the tag off in the store because they know they can't. So they try and run out of the store. So we saw, we'll see more runouts than we do anything else, and that's that's purely because they, you know, they've, the fitting room has been pretty well manned. They can't get the tag off in the fitting room. They can't do it on the shop floor because the staff are approaching them. Um, so they decide to run out. Um, but other than that, we don't see them come back. Um, we don't see them come back regularly. Um, because we believe that exactly that they can't, they get home, they try and draw the tag, they try and take it off, they can't, and it ruins the garment, um, ruins the garment, which is why they don't come back. And Tim, for you, are you seeing that similar type um, effect where people aren't coming back? Or, I mean, you, how long have you had it in your stores now? So we've been had it in the stores now about seven years. So um, you know, so it's, uh, so we've had it for quite a while. And it's, it's the standard tag that now we use within uh, within the JD estate. Um, it, you know what? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely at first. Um, more recently, yes, we're seeing some of the hardcore organised retail offenders returning. Um, I've still have a smile on my face when I think of how long it's taking them to get this thing off because you know they're. <laughs> it's going to take them a long time and and there's a video we we shot of a a prolific known offender to us trying to get the tag off and in that video he he cuts his hands in trying to get it off but he was so determined and but it's um but yeah you know and what's fantastic is it's it's so we've it's evolved again so um you know we've recognized that there is a small weakness with it and so um, and so that's and that so that's been looked at, and that's been and that that you know that, that weakness has been closed, and um, and we're looking forward to um, the the uh, you know the sort of the concept too. We're looking forward to that tag to come back in, but I, I think you know generally it's not it's it, 
shrinkage, of course, and, and Sean's alluded to some of the figures. And yes, in the, in the trial we saw on two Manchester stores, one was a 50% reduction, one was 75 In East London, it was 60%. Um, but I think it's also creating a better shopping environment for the, for the store teams because, you know, not every, it's not everybody coming in and, and trying to steal. J, JD is a unique retailer. That you can't get that product anywhere else, you know. It's, it, we, so you've got to come to us. And so, you know, that's probably why we have, a, you know, a bigger element of determined thieves. But when, when we rolled out the trial and, and spoke to our so mega store managers, um, you know, some of the things they were saying to me, I've just got a copy here, what they said at that time. And it says, um, you know, a manager in our, one of our mega stores in our Newcastle store, 13 years service, said, the new concept tags are excellent. Since using the concept tags in my branch, we've found no tags that have been defeated. We've noticed a drop in criminal activity. That's a really big call, you know, that reduction in criminal activity in the stores amongst the store teams because that isn't really what they come to work for. It's obviously mm. coming after face. Um, um, the, 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 that big uh, Oxford Street mega store when it opened, the, the manager, the new concept tags are very good. They are so different to the sorts of security tags I've worked with in the past. Um, manager at Trafford, which showed the 75% reduction, said that concept tags have been a godsend for me. So it, it, it's like it's so recognised and respected by the store teams. You can never force a new technology in, in I don't think, in retail. It has to be embraced Absolutely. By, by the store teams and, and this and this tag has completely been embraced. Sean, did you have something to add there? Yeah. Um, uh, in line with that question you just asked, um, there, there was a great story that came out um, not, not that long ago from a fashion retailer called River Island. And River Island... Um, have the concept tag virtually across the estate in the UK um, and they were approached by the Metropolitan Police uh, because they had, the Metropolitan Police had raided a warehouse in London um, and had come across a, a criminal gang that was uh, it made its living from stealing and it was set up as a proper business. I mean, they had people that went out and did the stealing and then had people within the, within the uh, warehouse unit that would take all the tags off and things like that and patch it up and they'd be reselling it. So um, it, they'd raided this business. And the reason for the, telling you the story is that in one corner, there was a huge pile. And the reason that the Met Police had contacted uh, River Island was that it was a huge pile of River Island clothing, all with the concept tags still on it. So they'd literally just thrown all these clothes in the corner because it was just taking too long to remove the tags. And they were just working that on, on all of the other products that they'd stolen from other retailers. So I've got to ask the question, if it's been in the market for seven, eight years now, coming, or coming up to 10 years, how come no one's worked out how to defeat it? Actually, it hasn't been in the market um, for, for, for up to that long. Um, Tim started with it probably about seven years ago, as he says, in, from trialling it and things like that. Um, and then it started to grow from there. So it's probably actually only been properly in the market for about five years. Uh -huh. um, and I guess one of the reasons the crooks haven't come up with a right way of beating it uh, yet is that actually it hasn't necessarily... 
uh, rolled itself out across the world in the numbers that uh, we would hope. But that's because Aegon is a, a smaller business. It's taking us longer to be able to fund that kind of thing. Um, I guess had it been a, a, a checkpoint product, um, it, it would have already saturated the market around the world um, because of the size uh, businesses that you have to be able to exploit that. But um, I would simply say that thieves are like most people. They all look for the easy option. So if you're going out and you want to steal stuff, you're going to go to the shops where you know it's really easy. And if the concept tag is so difficult to get off, why am I going to waste lots of time in trying to steal from a shop that's got that, knowing that even if I do get it out of the store, it's still going to take me a very long time to start removing these tags. So um, I think that's probably the reason why that uh, people haven't worked on a device to remove it. Um, and also the fact that we're always looking ahead. And actually, we have made some small adjustments in that time, although we haven't necessarily uh, marketed it, uh, whereas this latest development is quite a significant upgrade and, and taking it to the next generation. Okay. So, Mark, you in the glue business, you've gone from using magnetic tags and then JD with the concept tag. Can you tell, tell me some of the differences you found or some of like the really noticeable things that you found between the two as far as, you know, what's the staff's reaction been um, to the concept tag versus the, the old magnetic tags? Yeah, look, I think, I think when we launched it in the, you know, in the JD stores, it was, you know, we, we marketed it as, as Sean says, it, it was um, how successful it had been in the JD business in the UK. And I know that the then time general manager for, for the business went over to the UK, came back. And the first thing he said to me was, we need to get this tag in. Um, and we did from day one. And obviously we've reaped the benefits of, of that in our shrinkage results or lost results in, in the JD stores. When we, when we swapped over um, um, one of the glue stores, I think we swapped over Darling Harbour, I think, which was the first store that we converted when, when Glue was part of the group. And um, we saw a reduction of shrinkage, very similar numbers to what um, Sean and, and Tim are talking about in that store. And um, the, the manager, exactly very, very similar feedback to, to what Tim's talking about, was the manager was absolutely you know, flabbergasted by how effective it was. And, you know, they used to tell us stories where people who were regular thieves to them that were constantly throwing out or constantly calling the police on came in, tried, left and were never seen again. Um, and so it had a really, really big effect on, on them that we, we, these repeat offenders that kept coming in, detagging um, stock that was that the old type of tag just weren't coming back. Um, and because of that, we saw a very significant reduction in shrink there. And then we rolled it to, again, um, another store, um, which was, for, I can't remember where it was now. Uh, one of the, I can't laugh at me, remember who it was. But the, the second store that we did was exactly the same response. Um, was was um, you know how how wonderful it was how they never found any defeated tags um, exactly the same feedback God you know we don't see any more regular thieves are coming in they've stopped coming in now um, we 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 laughed because we saw someone trying to pull it and they couldn't and they left and you know stuff like that so you know very 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 similar feedback to to the, the UK guys that we saw the differences so I guess for both Mark and Tim it must. To get compliance is always a very difficult thing within stores, but it sounds like you guys have got the buy-in from your teams and if they're that passionate about it and they can see the results and I guess, you know, the data doesn't lie 
as we always say, is that how you're getting compliance because the team are so um, happy with the results of the, the product? Um, so I suppose, listen, um, you know, also if, if, it's, if it's stolen, it can't be sold. So, uh, you know, it, some of this is um, if you apply the tag and you apply the tag correctly, then there's, there's, there's much less chance that product is going to be sold, going to be stolen. And if it's not stolen, you're going to be able to sell it. So it's a double win for store teams, really. The, sale, the sales potential of, the, of having the product available to, to, to sell instead of, instead of having had the product stolen. So, you know, uh, benefit to the store teams because your shrinkage is less, probably less unsavable, unsavable characters coming in, but you're, um, you, you, the potential for uptaking sales as well. So I think um, that's, that's, that's how it wasn't a case of getting them to buy in. That's how they wanted to buy in. It was, they, you know, the people, stores that we put the tag in that um, were in the vicinity of another store that didn't have the tag, we saw a displacement of criminal activity to that other store. And, um, and the, so that store store team, that store manager, would make contact with us and said, well, when are we getting the tag? Because we're having all the offenders from, from that store coming in here now. When can we? And so they were championing us to deliver that tag to them to get that tag in. And um, so it was an easy, it, from, from my point of view, it it was an easy, easy win in uh, in amongst the retail teams. How did how long did the rollout take for you to to go to go through the whole fleet? Um, we probably completed uh, we probably completed with within twelve months. So uh, once the what we we I said a bit we started the trials. The trials took a little while. It took probably six months before we were pretty satisfied that the tank could deliver what we thought it could. Um, it then went, we then went into Oxford Street. We then monitored that further, um, and then and then and then changed, necessarily changed the estate. We, what I said to you, we we targeted our clearly our largest shrink stores initially, but I did so he's moved that shrink to the nearby store. So it, we had you know, as much as we probably didn't want to invest the money, we needed to invest the money because of the return and it yeah. delivered what we wanted it to deliver. And Mark, for you, are all your glue stores, are they fitted out now with Concept Tag? Uh, no, not all of them. No, we've done about seven, I think. Um, seven or eight, I think, uh, have, have been done. I think the big ones have been done. Most of uh, the, the the Victorian stores, funny enough, have all been done. But uh, there's still a few few left to go. And um, um, but as and as and when that can be done, obviously they will they will change over um, change over. But we would have been. Um, but obviously in the JD business, every single store um, has it has it. Um, and what we have found as well. Um, what has been really good has been the loop tags as well, um, the two alarm tags that we use um, on you know jackets um, and the winter jackets, and we see hardly normally in the, in the winter here. You know the North Face jackets and things like that will fly out the door um, because we're putting those on as well as the concept tag. We, you know we're double sort of doing it. We're finding that very, very, very little, if any, um, are being stolen. So um, the combination of the of that has worked really well for us. Now, Sean, we've spoken a bit about the JD Sports uh, case study. Have you got any other case studies you can share with us? Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much every every retailer we work with um, uh, tends to have a very similar experience. So uh, the numbers vary, and that can be uh, for a number of different reasons, size of store, location of the store, 
how uh, you know how good the management are within the store running uh, security side of things. Um, but one of the ones we had recently was a fashion chain called All Saints. Uh, they have about 330 stores um, across the uh, US and the UK, um, and um, they they saw reductions. Uh, huge reductions, in fact, to all of the four trial stores that they uh, put the tag into across uh, central London. Um, and so I think they experienced something in the region around a 70 to 75% reduction across all four stores. Um, it was absolutely incredible. And, and one of the biggest problems they had was with uh, high fashion leather jackets um, and, and the reduction in loss on those was astronomical. Uh, so as a chain, they want to move forward with it, um, and we expect that that will be another one that uh, that goes fairly fairly soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, River Island was another one. They put they put the tag in on trial to three stores in London's Oxford Street. They have three stores on that one street. Uh, they were losing about a million pounds a year at the, at the worst uh, moment uh, in theft um, and then we put concept tags in uh, and in fact in, in one of the stores uh, that we did at the top of Oxford Street uh, near Marble Arch uh, the payback on that I think was about 10 to 12 weeks the the actual the, they paid back they paid back the tags for that store um, in the trial period <laughs> that's uh, that's impressive isn't it <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't get much better than that, really, does it? No. So, and, and off the back of that, again, like, like Tim says, they weren't necessarily thinking of rolling this out as fast, but the, the results and the numbers are just so good that, you know, it was easy to get funding from, from uh, finance to, to roll that out. Uh, and they did so over two years, actually. They did pretty much the whole chain over a two-year period. Have you had much pushback, um, given that obviously it's going to be a more expensive tag compared to uh, uh, the magnetic tags, which are, are copied yep. all over the world? Do you get much pushback with regards to the price? Yeah, I mean, we actually don't. Um, it's quite interesting that. So as a company, when we go to, in to speak about the products, uh, we don't even mention the price of the tag pretty much until the very end of, of a meeting. It's all around what it can do for the retailer, what the problems they currently have, how this can overcome it, you know, making it a nicer environment within the store, helping them to increase the sales and, uh, of, of the products because obviously it's available to sell rather than being stolen. And so when we tell them how much it is, people, people understand it's going to be more expensive. Um, it has to be more expensive. It costs vastly more to produce uh, than a normal tag so but even then you know we're, we're not talking about it being hugely different you know yes it's perhaps double the price of a normal tag um, but when you're talking about the, re the return on investment most of the comments come back to us is well if it delivers what you're telling me it does it's not a problem mm. have you have you found that tim in did you find that or sort of selling the the concept tag to the business with, with the price difference? Um, so I, once, once I presented the, the business case and the results of the trials, it wasn't a difficult sell, if I'm honest. I've had much more difficult sells than, than that one with all the, with all the benefits. But, uh, you know, uh, I suppose as well, um, one thing we need 
the countries along as retailers is we need to be very responsible for this with this new technology. The you know how many stores have closed down when we've left the we've left the magnets behind on the tills and 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 they've just been removed and thrown in bins and you know the the one one thing that we discussed with Agon fairly early on is serial numbering the detachers so. Uh, we know we know you know the detaches or from our business we know we know where they are um you know where they are what numbers they are we haven't had any detaches go missing there they're, they're you know, secured but there's a responsibility if we don't close down fortunately we're in, a, we're in a, a situation where there's a business where we aren't closing stores but where where the, we might relocate a store one of the important tasks is retrieving not leaving them but retrieving those detaches so and safeguarding them so they're not left and available Mm, absolutely. Now, fitting room theft is always an issue for retailers. Um, Mark, apart from having a, a tag, which is very hard to defeat, have you got any other tips for your fellow retailers with regards to fitting room theft? Yeah, look, we, we man our fitting rooms as, as, as much as possible. No one's allowed in our fitting room without being checked in. So our fitting room doors are locked and secured. Um, you know, the, every garment is checked as it goes in. They're given a tag. It goes on the on the outside of the door, and the person doesn't leave there until that person, you know, the customer comes out, and everything is double checked. So, um, I, I think you know, it's as simple as that. Really, it's manning your fitting rooms. It's counting things in and out. It's separating the garments. It's you know, handing a handing a you know, controlling the um, the amount of um, you know numbered tags that go in the fitting room, counting them up three or four times a day, and make sure we haven't lost anything. So um, I think it's as simple as that, really, to be honest. And, and you know, obviously the tag has a huge benefit for that. But um, man, man, and control your fitting rooms. I think is a, is the advice I would give people. Okay, and Sean, um, you've spoken briefly about version. Are we up to version two, version three of the concept tag now? Yeah, we call it next gen. <laughs> what sort of changes have you made to make it more secure? Um, well, we, we've made changes uh, to the structure of the tag. Um, on the top of it, uh, around the entry holes, uh, we've actually now put in uh, a metal disc. Uh, we, we had uh, been uh, aware that there was... Uh, a weak point where people were using drills in stores. I know that sounds crazy, but people were going in with drills uh, to drill out the tag um, and uh, going in with screws and cup screws and different things like that as a way of trying to um, force open the locking mechanism within the tag. So we've introduced this metal disc. Uh, that now prevents any of that. So if you try and drill it or cut screw it or screw it, whatever, um, you, you just hit metal. So it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, and so the tag is still uh, kept safely on, on the garment. Um, and we've also increased the strength of the uh, internal spring as well to, uh, to, again, just make it a little bit more secure. Um, but the metal, the metal disc uh, within, the, the, within the top of the tag has been the major upgrade to it to prevent these kind of attacks um, in store. And is that in the mini version as well? It's across the board. So, um, in fact, it's been quite a busy period uh, for Concept Tag in terms of development. So we had feedback from retailers about the fact that they loved the tag, but could it be smaller? That's always been something that's been pushed back. It's not a problem for JD in the kind of market and the product they're selling. But if you're in a very high-end fashion that's got very lightweight products, so for instance, like a Michael Kors with a very lightweight dress, uh, they're going to want something that's very lightweight and small 
uh, to go on the product. So for that reason, we, uh, we developed the 40 millimeter version, which is, is, is very small, actually, uh, by comparison. Um, and also then the 45 millimeter to fill in that gap as well. Uh, so we've covered pretty much everything with that spectrum. We also launched, as, as Mark was saying, he uses the, the concept uh, alarming lanyards. Uh, so now, you, for the first time, you've got a, a, an alarming lanyard that's in the concept version lock. It's not just all magnetic ones like the existing products in the market. Uh, that's been a dramatic step forwards. And as I say, uh, the future is that the final product to the family, so that we've got a complete family of products, is going to be the uh, is going to be the the bottle tag. Okay, and um, the RFID side of it. Yeah, the RFID side, um, in fact, uh, there's a, a couple of companies using RFID versions of Concept Tank, um, and it's twofold. You can use it purely as a security uh, product with the overhead readers to alarm as people leave if, if uh, visually you can't have pedestals put in, um, but you can also program um, those RFID labels on the Concept Tank. And the concept releaser has been uh, evolving as well over the last couple of years so that it's not just a releaser anymore. Um, it also can be an RFID reader. Um, and so we are having conversations now with a couple of retailers that are saying, well, what we'd quite like is to have um, an app on people's phones where they can go around the store and scan the products themselves and pay for them on their, on their account. And then they just go to a bank of releases uh, of concept releases, where as they scan each garment, it will recognise it's been paid for and allow them to remove the security tag. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's uh, the next big challenge for everyone, isn't it? What what's going to yeah. happen with mobile payments and uh, and you know that that Amazon style store and how do we get at those merchandise protection devices off? Well, um, I mean, the, the beauty there is that uh, concept tag and concept releases are, are there ready to, to, to deliver that requirement. Um, so it, it's definitely the future uh, and, and we're, we're ready for it. That's fantastic. Well, gentlemen, you've reached the final countdown, the last three questions. So I'll start with you, Tim. If you weren't working at JD Sports, what would you be doing? Um, okay, so I've, I've just been thinking about that. And I think, what it, you know what I really would want to do? Um, I'd want to run a country pub. Now, that's probably what I really want to do. And that might bring smarters and people's faces because the reason probably I haven't done it is I wouldn't show how to control myself in there. Um, so uh, that's probably why I haven't done it. But it was, it's a dream that I've always had. I would have loved to have run a country pub. And what about you, Mark? Yeah, I, 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 look, I, I think I'd love to have played football professionally. I think I played a lot of it when I was at school, and I'd have loved to have gone into the into a um, um, you know a professional type somewhere playing playing football. That would have been pretty decent. And Sean, if you weren't working for Aegon, what would you be doing? Oh well, now I always wanted to be an officer in the Royal Navy, and um, and, and in fact, at the time I was a, a quite a good squash player, so they were very keen on me joining and going in as uh, as an officer and playing squash in the squash team. However, I never got the right exams um, <laughs> from school, and so that 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 pathway disappeared for me, unfortunately. <laughs> Tim, if you could change anything in the retail loss prevention industry or sector, what would it be? Um, hmm. um, I, I, look, 
I'll tell you what, I, like, I really like this podcast and I've been, uh, since been invited to join today, um, I've listened to previous podcasts and I think that's, that's a great innovation. I think there should be much more collaboration in, in retail environments than, than probably there is uh, and we should all share experience and learnings together. Um, so probably more of that. Yeah, I feel like that comes up, Mark. You probably would have noticed it last year. It came up a lot, I think, um, talking even where we were talking to police, talking to loss prevention, talking to academics. Everyone said we need that collaboration piece because we've been sort of all working in silos within our brands and we're not we're not sharing, we're not helping each other and we really need to. So, um, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Mark, for you, anything you'd change? I, I, Tim said exactly it. I think it, it, that's what I changed the, the, the collaboration. I think we started with the podcast and you know um, and the PPFF, and if we can do more of that. It's just that how do we take what we're doing now to the next stage, uh, and what does that look like? And then how how do we get more people? Um, how do we get more people collaborating and sharing you know more information than we're currently getting? We're doing a lot now, but how do we? I guess the next question is, well, how do we take it to the next level? Do you think people are still a little bit nervous about sharing? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think they are nervous. I think it's now the reason, we, you know, I think maybe they're not quite, um, I think people share share a lot, I think, because I, I get a few emails from a group, um, emails and we share information between us. But how do we how do we get that up? to everybody having access to it. Um, you know, the UK, we've talked many times, have the National Business Crime Solution. You know, that's what I'd like to see over here mm-hmm. is how do we get to that level where, where, um, where this information is being, is being shared through that type of forum. That's what I think we should, how we should try and do that here. Okay. And Sean, if you could change anything within the industry? My, my, mine's going to be a little gripe, actually. <laughs> and I think that other vendors will feel my pain um, in that um, whenever we try and email someone in the retail loss prevention industry and you're trying to communicate with them, oh my gosh, are they the hardest people to try and get a reply from? So They're very busy. Even if, want, even if they want to tell us to go away, it'd be really nice if they just emailed back telling us that <laughs> rather than making us continually chase them. <laughs> <laughs> They're very, very busy, particularly at the mm. moment. Um, yeah. And I think certainly in Australia, where our government payments stop around September, we, are, we believe we're going to see an influx of uh, theft from September onwards. So I, uh, I agree but I also understand where they're coming from. <laughs> yeah, it was only, only tongue-in-cheek, but, you know. <laughs> and lastly, Tim, your advice for anyone wanting to work in loss prevention? Um, so treat us as a, treat us as a career, and, and, we, um, and, and we, we, we're, we're developing a career path for, um, for people joining us now. We're, we're sort of, we, we have various levels within our structure, and so we're looking to recruit people at, you know, at the at sort of looking after maybe one store, a few store basis, and then we would develop those people ourselves. So, so treat it as a career, and not, uh, and not, you know, not as, uh, not be frightened that it is a career. It's you know, it's it's it has you get great rewards, some disappointments as well, with some great rewards. But uh, yeah, don't don't be frightened about jumping in because um, you know, is there's a big industry out there, so phenomenally big industry. Mark, for you, advice for anyone who's wanting to get into retail loss prevention? Yeah, I, th- I think it's the same thing. I think we had this conversation in our uh, meeting today, actually, and 
Uh, I think it's about identifying the people in the stores that really want to do it. Um, and then, as Tim says, you know, taking that person and giving them some one-on-one coaching and um, getting them to champion loss or profit protection in that store and, and develop them that way. I think it's about finding the people that really, really want to do it. And I think that's the other thing. you really got to want to do it. Um, and as Tim says, you know, you can, there were very many highs, but there were also some, some lows. So I think it's, um, I think it's, if you're interested in it is reach out to your, you know, your regional profit protection manager or whoever that may be, or head of profit protection, whatever it is in your business. And, um, just start the conversation around, I'm interested, this is what I want to do and, and then go from there. And Sean, lastly for you, any advice for anyone wanting to get into becoming a vendor for a retailer? Yeah, um, <coughs> I would say it's an amazing uh, opportunity. It's a vast industry. Um, if I look at myself, I started at 21 working uh, in um, uh, Sensomatic before moving to Checkpoint, um, uh, gaining some fantastic experience and starting my own business at 24, um, uh, which, you know, so it shows you where you can lead to. That business I grew, and at 35, I sold it to a PLC and on the London stock market, uh, and then went and did it all over again. So um, You're sucker. There's, there's huge opportunities <laughs> for people. You know, if you really want it, and you really want to work hard to get somewhere, uh, you know, don't be worried about the fact that you may not have the right exams. I left school with virtually nothing. Um, yet I've managed to create a, an environment for myself where I've started, built and, you know, grown two great companies. Ah, excellent advice. Thank you so much uh, for your advice, guys. And thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, the concept tag is another piece of ammunition for our loss prevention teams in fighting the battle against theft. So thank you for your innovation. Thanks for being guinea pigs, JD Sports. And thanks for continuing to improve the product as the thieves' appetite matures and they become a little bit more smarter. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with Tim, Mark or Sean, you can find them on LinkedIn and we'll put the Aegon website details up in the show notes. You can subscribe to this weekly podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify and there's a link to download episodes and show notes on the PPFF website. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Profit Protection Future Forum. It is written and produced by myself, Nicole Smith and Manu Prasanna and is kindly hosted by Wooshka. In the next episode of Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection, I'll be talking to Michael Townsley from Griffith University about an upcoming study with Australia and New Zealand loss prevention professionals on how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted their operations. I hope you'll join me next week so we can keep talking all things profit protection. Thanks for listening to Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to find out more about the Profit Protection Future Forum, head to ProfitProtection.co or find us on LinkedIn. Drop us a message on info at ProfitProtection.co with feedback on our show.